because of where we're going to be heading in Leviticus, uh, Leviticus, uh, Malachi, the, uh, it's important we do a little teaching this morning. Uh, so instead of necessarily preaching a sermon, I want to give us some uh, coaching through um, one of the good rules of Bible study. All right. Uh, Dan had mentioned it in Sunday school last week about understanding that the book of Timothy was written by Paul to young Timothy, the preacher. Uh, And then he made the clarification that if you want an understanding of what Paul was saying to the church at that point in time, you need to read in Ephesus or Ephesians because Paul had written a letter to the church at Ephesus while young Timothy was pastoring there that there was a difference in where and who the uh, letter was written to. And sometimes, especially in our world today, there are a lot of people and a lot of information that you receive, and because of not applying the Scripture correctly in regards to its context, um, there's a lot of confusion in this world. And so before I can continue going on to the next verse in Malachi, because Malachi has a lot, the the next verse we're going to be talking about has a lot to do with how things were in the Old Testament versus how things are in the New Testament. It's important that we understand that there is a difference. Okay, and it's an important difference on two specific points. So we're going to get right into this. We may not spend a long time. I know I say that and then I'll preach for an hour. Um, But uh, I want us to get some understanding because each one of us, as we are trying to be good students of the Word of God, okay, we need to understand that there are certain ways to approach God's Word so that we can carefully dissect it. Remember, um, God told us that we are to be a workman that rightly divides the Word of Truth. Okay, so that reminds me right off the bat that if we are supposed to be rightly dividing the word of group, uh, the word of truth, then there are divisions in the word of truth. Okay, it is not all a specific common thing that you handle the same way. There are different divisions in the Bible. Okay, what is the easiest division we just we know about? And I just mentioned it, so it's already a, a test that I've already given you the answer to. The Old Testament and the New Testament, okay? That is a division that we are very aware of, okay? Um, with that in mind, there are a few others that it's important that we look into. And I'm going to, I'm sharing this with you because number one, it will help us as we understand why there are certain cults and other religious groups that exist that use the Bible and they preach verses to support their ideas and their false teaching. Well, most of the time is because they're taking a passage or a book out of context. They're not realizing the importance of remembering the two questions we're going to look at here in a minute. Who is it written to? And when is it written? Or for what time period it is written? Okay, and so that this morning, we're just going to have, I almost, I'm going to come down there and and sit and teach from the the pulpit down there, but I want to be able to close to my PowerPoint so I can see it, because I'll be trying to turn around and fall off the stool. So, If you're going to look at this today, we're going to call it Biblical Context. Biblical Context. Okay? There we go. Go ahead, next slide. The most important rule in studying your Bible is understanding the context that things are written. 
Now, I know some of this, uh, you know, how many of you uh, used to watch Romper Room? Okay, you know, put on your thinking cap, right? Strap it on, get ready, because that's what we're going to do today, is I want to give us guidelines to be able to understand the scriptures better. Hopefully, by the time we're done, we'll have some concepts on why it's important, especially today. Okay, uh, remember what the context is. It is the setting, the purpose, the circumstances in which something is written. Okay, that's what that means. When I tell you what the context, we're talking about why. Okay, why was this thing written? What was the reason for it? That's important to know. You can't just open something up. Uh, I'll use another illustration, but this is the one I like particularly. I write my wife a wonderful little note. Okay, and on that note it says, Dear Kim, I love you so much. You're the, you light up my life. Okay, and I write, it's such a privilege to have you as a part of my life. And I write, don't make any plans for Friday because we're going to have a special romantic night. Okay, be ready at seven, dress nice, love, Craig. Okay. Look at she's already smiling back there. Now, I happen to be ready to give this note to my wife, and I'm here at church, and I happen to drop it in the middle of the floor. Okay, and I don't realize it's there. And Diane walks by, and she picks it up. And she starts reading it. Oh, this is from Pastor Craig. Oh, he loves me so much. He's so excited that I'm part of his life. Be ready on Friday night. Wear something special for a romantic evening. Okay, now what's the problem with that? It wasn't written to her, was it? It was written to my wife, Kim. And see, if we're not understanding, sometimes we'll take the word of God and we'll pick it up and start reading things and go, oh, well, hmm. And we'll begin to think some of the things that are written there were written to me. But they're not written to me. Okay? That they are written, but they're written to someone else. And to think that the things written there apply directly to me. I better be ready for Friday night because he's going to take me out on a special date. What if she dropped it in the middle of the floor and another lady picked it up? And all of a sudden I show up and there's four or five ladies all dressed up nice on a Friday night waiting to go out to dinner. Okay? Now I know that's silly, but I want us to put that into our minds, understanding that if you begin to read something that is not written to you and begin to think it was written to you, we've got a big problem coming on. Pastor takes seven women out to, on a date. On one, that, well, boy, we're in big trouble. Okay, you understand my point? The context of that is it was written to Kim from her husband, Craig. Anything outside of that context, we start having some big problems. All right, and that's the problem. That, that is why we want to walk through this, because it is important to understand. Paul wrote letters to individual men. Paul wrote letters to churches. Okay? What he says to the fellow in the, in the letter to Timothy or Titus or Philemon isn't necessarily directed to the entire body of the church. Okay? That's a great example that Dan used last week, and it kind of prompted me to go in this direction because we need to understand sometimes things that are written are written in different ways, and we can't directly apply them. So here's the thoughts. We're going to go through this. 
Okay. Two essential questions to determine biblical context. To whom was it written? Okay. And when was it written? Now, we already talked about the fact that we understand that there was an Old Testament and a New Testament. That one of them is older than the other. Okay. One was written several, four or five, you know, 5,000 years ago. One of them, books were written only about 2,000 years ago. Okay. And then there's a big difference in that time frame. It's absolutely imperative that we understand these things. So let's go on. To whom it was written. There are three groups of people in the Bible, according to Scripture. Three divisions of people. Now I know there's uh, lots of different races and colors and languages and areas that people live, but when it comes to biblical truth, and uh, for those of listening to this recording, and some people, I don't think anybody here, because I know our church, but I want you to understand that this is not broken up necessarily by skin color or area that you live in okay or the language that you speak only in one instance and we're going to talk about it number one there's three groups of people the jews the gentiles and the church okay those are the three groups of people that god looks to in his word now there are many other nationalities and nations and all kinds of other stuff listed in the scripture but when it comes to god's word and his understanding these three groups fit okay number one Okay, Bible clear gives reference to this and when he's covering don't give offense to anyone and God qualifies anyone and everyone in these three phrases. Give none offense neither to the Jews nor the Gentiles nor the church of God. So God himself is instructing don't offend anybody and l- listen, I'll break it down for you. I'm going to cover everybody on the planet. Jews, Gentiles, and the church of God. Okay, that is God's all-encompassing statement that he breaks it down into three groups. All right? With that in mind, here they are. Now, this is where I said race doesn't necessarily matter, only in one instance. Okay? God separated out his people. He called Abraham out of the Ur of the Chaldees. He wanted to do something. He wanted to separate a group of people from the rest of the world. And God chose the children of Israel, okay, the Hebrews, those, those from the line of Eber, okay, that's where we come up with our Hebrews from, okay, and God says, I'm going to make something special out of you guys, okay, so if you're a Jew, that is one group, if you're a Gentile, now this is tough, this is real hard to explain, if you're a Gentile, it means you're not a Jew, all right, now I know that sounds silly, but we have so much bickering in this world about race and nation and nationality and language and where you're from. Listen, if you are not a Jew, you are all the same. Okay, If you are not one of God's chosen people in that heritage that he had put together for the express, express purpose of bringing the Messiah into this world, okay, if that's not where you qualify, everybody else is exactly the same. I don't care what your skin color is. I don't care what your hair looks like or what language you talk about. You are a Gentile. You with me so far? Everybody nod. Because I'm telling you right now, race is such a terrible, divisive thing that is getting thrown around in our world right now. And it matters absolutely diddly squat to God. If you are not a Hebrew, a Jew, son, uh, the children of Israel, then you are all Gentiles. Okay? 
be happy. God makes it real clear, okay? Or, now here's the great part, or the church of God, because God does something amazing. He, if you're a Jew or a Gentile, and you receive the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior, you now become the church, which is fantastic. The Lord Jesus Christ unifies us and makes us something special. And Galatians talks about this, where he took the twain, the two different groups of people, and made something brand new, something one. He unified us, and that is we're Christians. And that's what's great. You can talk about the Ivory Coast. You can talk about the Philippines. You can talk about Japan. You can talk about all about these places. And if they are believers in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, they are one with us through Christ, the church. How awesome is that? So talk about, okay, in, in, in this physical world, you've got a group of people who are set apart by their race, by their nationality, that is the Hebrews, the Jews. You have everybody else who is lumped into this big other category. But you know what? In Christ, spiritually, both of those categories are wiped out and we become one thing. A Christ-like one. Talk about awesome. All right? That's fantastic. I love that. So it doesn't matter where you came from. If you become one in Jesus, we're all the same. We're all spiritually delivered and we are now reconcile back to god as his children man that's awesome love that all right let's keep going there are books and passages and verses written to these specific groups of people now please keep this in mind there are books that are written specifically to the jews not to gentiles not to the church so Ooh, Pastor Craig wants to take me out on Friday night. No, you have to realize there are books in the Scripture that's not written to us. So if you pick up a book like Leviticus and begin to read it and think, well, this is written to us as the church, so by golly, we better not eat lobster, scallops. Okay, you well, I had it was all right. You better not eat pig. Okay, you better not wear mixed cloth. Okay, if it's part polyester and part cotton, you're in big trouble. These things are not written to the church. They are also not written to the Gentiles. These are things that are specifically written to the Jews. Now, we have problems. There are those who are... Friends of mine that I work with as contractors who go to Seventh-day Adventist churches. And Seventh-day Adventists apply a lot of Old Testament teachings to their churches today. And they're not going to eat meat. And they're be careful about when they, uh, what they wear for clothing. And they don't worship on a Sunday. They get together on churches on Saturday. Because they take Old Testament things that are written to the Jews and try to make them written to the church. So there's seven ladies waiting for pastor to take them out on Friday night. Okay, you understand my point? Uh, this is, I'm trying to make this as silly but simple. All right? Now here's the phrase that every single one of us need to put in your mind. I, there are posters inside of my brain. Okay? And I have certain things written inside of my brain that I can recall easy phrases. One of them is not, God is not interested in what you are, but he's interested or in who you are. He's not interested in what you do. He's interested in what you are being for him. We just sang that song. I be what you want me to be. 
God doesn't look at you and say, oh, look, you turned it, attended church and gave a check, and they, uh, they, they, they went down and fed the hungry. That God is more interested in you being what he wants you to be than doing what he wants you to do. This phrase is another one that is inside my mind. Okay? Not everything in the Bible is written to me, but everything in the Bible is written for me. Now take that illustration of my wonderful note that I read to my wife. It wasn't written to Diane, okay? But you know what Diane could learn from picking it up? Yeah, don't read other people's mail. <laughs> okay, you know what he can, she can learn? Pastor loves his wife. Pastor's so happy that she's a part of his life. Pastor has plans on Friday night to do something special for her. Isn't Pastor earning brownie points? He's a married man. But you understand, even though it wasn't written to that person, there are a lot of things you can gain from reading it. That's where the scripture fits, and that's where we need to understand. And this is why this is such an important phrase to remember. Not everything in the scripture is written to me directly, but everything is written for me. Some verses to talk about that. How many scriptures are given by inspiration of God? All scripture. How many of them are profitable? All of them. Okay, so not one of the words of God, not a single letter in his Bible, not a single comma or dot or anything that's put in there, okay, is wasted. God, all of it is important. But we have to understand some of it is not written to me, it's written for me. Okay, all scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, instruction, righteousness. First Corinthians, he tells us now all these things, and he had gone ahead and listed a lot of the Old Testament commandments. He said all these things are written for our, what? Unto us for, in samples, they are written for our admonition. So even though the Old Testament's got a bunch of stuff that we don't have to do anymore, Thank the Lord we don't have to uh, not work and only take only certain steps away from our house on a Sabbath. Okay, thank the Lord that uh, we can, you know, do, eat. I wrote it up there later, you'll see it. It's a little joke. We can eat bacon. (laughs) Okay, how terrible would that be not to be able to eat bacon? Okay, understand those things are not written to us, but they are all written for our admonition. And guys, we went through the whole book of Leviticus, very, very lengthy study, breaking down every single little phrase. We learned that those things were not written for us to obey that exact thing, but what God was trying to teach us, that we need to live a life that was separated. What was the theme verse of Leviticus? Be ye holy as I, the Lord thy God, am holy. God wasn't necessarily saying, you Christians in the church in 2022 better not eat a scallop. Oh man. No, God says, I want you to come out from among them. I want you to be holy. I want you to be set apart unto me. That was the theme. Not that we had to go through every one of those you know, ceremonial laws that he wrote to the Jews. They were written to the Jews. Okay? Next slide. Most of the Old Testament is written to the Jews. I say most of the Old Testament, but but wait a minute, Pastor. Isn't all of the Old Testament written to the Jews? Good question. 
There are some passages that are not. Here's one in particular. Obadiah, the entire book of Obadiah, is written to the descendants of Edom. You look at the first verse of Obadiah. It says, unto Edom. That whole little one one chapter book is not written to Hebrews. It's written to the, the children of Esau. Okay, They were Gentiles. So you have a whole book in the Old Testament not written to God's people. Okay, You know the book of Job is written about a Gentile. Job was not a Hebrew. There were no such thing as Hebrews when Job was alive. That was before Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. That's generations before them. He was not a Jew. But we learned this on Wednesday night, guys. The, the whole book of Job is about Gentiles. There are passages in the Old Testament that aren't written to Hebrews, aren't written to the Jews. They're written to Gentiles. We need to understand that because you pick it up and go, oh man, there's stuff here that we ought to be doing. Be careful because you'll misapply it. Before, not, before, before you know it, you'll be dressed up on Friday night, all disappointed. Okay, keep going. In the New Testament, there are books written to the church. Okay, and this is, uh, again, part of what prompted me to go this direction when Dan was talking to us. And there are books of the Bible, right? Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all written to the church at Philippi, to the church at Rome, to the church at Galatia, to the church at Ephesus, to the church at Thessalonica. There are books that are specifically written to us, okay? The church. Hallelujah for that. I'm glad God had designed in his uh, time frame the Apostle Paul, a man born out of due time, God had set him apart to write instruction letters to us as the church. How awesome is that? And God reminds Paul, listen, you're the apostle to the Jews, uh, to the Gentiles, excuse me. You're the apostle to the Gentiles. I've made you something special, Paul. You're going to write books that apply directly to non-Jews in the church. <laughs> Isn't God awesome? He wrote things specifically to you and I. There are also things in the New Testament written to the Jews. Now, this is where I want to remind you, there are a lot of false teachings in churches today because people take these books and try to apply them to the New Testament church. You want to know the book of James, where it's salvation versus works? And they say, you know, well, James says, I'll show you my work, faith by my works. See, we ought to be working for our salvation. The book of James is written to whom? Servant of God, to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. The book of James in the New Testament is not written to a church. It's written to a bunch of Jews. We need to realize that. So when we read through the book of James and you go, okay, wait a second. There's this whole works thing versus grace thing. I don't understand that it's not written to us as the church. It's written to Hebrews, to Jews who are trying to work out how through the entire Old Testament they had to keep the law and now they don't have to keep the law. They have to just go by grace. And, Paul, and James says, listen, no, no, no. You don't give it all up. You still want to show that you are following God with everything you're doing in your life, even though it's not that the grace came in and said, well, it's because we have grace now, I don't have to live for God. Remember, the Apostle Paul says it to the church, what, shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? God forbid. 
He's, he's not saying, listen, oh, well, because we have grace now, we can just go live whatever we want. We can sin as much as we want. doesn't matter anymore. Well, the apostle, the apostle, James here is writing to Christians who were just being saved out of traditions of the Hebrews, okay, the children of Israel, and saying, no, no, no. You can't just throw away your walk with God because of grace. I'll show you my faith by my works. I'm going to continue to live for God, not just wash it all away because, oh, grace has washed me clean. I can do whatever I want now. But there's a lot of people that preach that because they go to the book of James and realize this is not a book written to the church. It's written to the 12 tribes of Israel. They're all dressed up on a Friday night, ready to go. Okay? Matthew is another one of those books. These 12 Jesus sent forth, and this is amazing. You start reading the book of Matthew and start applying it to the church, but Jesus says, I'm going to send you out, and I don't want you to go to the Gentiles. I want you to go completely and solely to the children of Israel. Now, if you and I pick up the book of Matthew and say, oh, God, Jesus sent us out to go bear the gospel, but I guess we're not supposed to preach it to any Gentiles. We're only supposed to preach it to the Jews. That's because he's not writing this to the church. You with me so far? I know this is a little scholastic. This is a teaching thing, but we have to understand if we are going to rightly divide God's word, that we understand that some of these books that are written, some of these things that God put in his word are not directly to us. They are written for us. All right, keep going. Have you ever been to a reading of a will? My wife now works for a lawyer's office, and it was one time that they didn't have enough witnesses, and they called me in for the signing of a will. Okay, they needed witnesses there, uh, so the documentations are read, the people are there, everybody, the, the parties, the lawyer, the whole nine yards, and I just have to sit there twiddling my thumbs, listening to everything to say that I heard it. Then I sign my name on the paper and date it to say I'm a witness to, you know, if I went back years later and says, wait a minute, I was there for the reading of that will. I owe, you owe me some of that inheritance. Is that how it works? No, I'm not named in the will. It has nothing to do with me. I just heard it being read. It's the same issue. Just because something is written and you hear it doesn't mean it's for you. Okay, there are many times that there are people who go to a will reading and um, are, are part of the family, aren't expected to be named for something in the will. And they're not named for anything in the will, are they? Sometimes they're skunked and they get nothing. Just because you were there and you heard the reading of it doesn't mean the stuff that was read applies to you. You guys with me so far? I'm just trying to get this concept in our minds that there are passages of Scripture that we need to be careful of because some of them aren't written directly to me. And do you. Keep going. There's been so much confusion because people try to apply parts of the Bible that are not written to them. All right? Keep going. Next question is, when was it written? Okay? Just as important is to know when these words are written. Was it during the Old Testament when God was separating his people from the rest of the world? God was trying to show that God's people ought to walk different than the rest of the people in this world. Okay, If they're set apart unto God, then act like God's children. 
Okay, I, I mean, we, we've talked about this before. I don't want to belabor it a lot, but how, we in America are not so much important. This isn't important to us, but tradition and honor is important in a lot of other places of the world. You brought your disgrace upon your family. Okay, you've ruined the family honor where children are expected to act a certain way because they represent their family. And when they don't walk and talk and act like they should, they bring dishonor upon the family. Okay, that is the culture that you remember, please, the majority of the Old Testament is Middle Eastern culture. It would be closer to things that happen in the Orient than they are over here. And what do you hear? I mean, I can hear Mulan in my brain. Okay? You have brought your family dishonor. That's the entire Old Testament concept is if you are children of God, then honor God with the way you live. And that's why God made all these laws to separate them away from the world. So the rest of the world would go, why don't they eat pork? Why don't they do? Why? What, what is that? Because we are servants of Jehovah God. That's why. To separate them. Okay, that was the majority of the Old Testament. Now look, the New Testament, the Gospels. Okay, now the Gospels are an account of the life of Christ. But, oh, and then we talked about this, the church, that was a given instructions to Christians. Now I want to take a pause for a minute. I'm not sure where in my notes I exactly put this, if I even did. Oh yeah, I'll go there in a second. <clears throat> so we have the Gospels, was written about Jesus and his life. We have the church epistles, which we just talked about. Okay, Romans, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, all written to the church. Keep going. Then there are traditional, a uh, transitional books. Okay, what is a transitional book? Okay, there's a time period. Let's go. Transitional books, the Gospels. Now here's the key. You please remember this. The Gospels are also not written to the church. And this is where sometimes we have a problem. We say, I love the book of John. I love to read the book of John. The book of John was not a New Testament book. Now this is going to... Stay with me. I don't want to lose your brain. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are not New Testament books. Okay? They're found in the New Testament because that's when Jesus had come. Okay? But... Let's read these verses together and you'll understand why I say what I say. Hebrews chapter 9. Where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. For a testament is of force after men are dead. Otherwise, it is of no strength at all while the testator liveth. Let me ask you a question. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John had the testator died yet? No. They are not New Testament books. They are in the New Testament, but they don't come into force until after Jesus' death. So to say, everything written in those books is about the church. No, it wasn't. There was no such thing as a Christian in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Christians did not exist. There was no church. It's a transition. They are about the life of Christ. Now, can we learn from those books? 
Absolutely, if there's any book we should learn from, it's about the life of Christ. But be careful in thinking that these books were written specifically to instruct a church. Because Jesus hadn't died yet. There's not one of the apostles listed in any of those books that were believers and saved in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Because salvation wasn't won until the Lord Jesus Christ conquered sin and death. Now, you might have the very last part of John and Matthew where it talks about Jesus, the tomb opening up and Jesus okay, meeting with the disciples in that last little bit, but the majority of the books, Jesus wasn't dead yet. So that's why when you read passages like Matthew chapter 24, and it talks about you being faithful until the end, and that's how you're saved, that's not written to a Christian. That's still written to Old Testament believers, because that's still the testament that was in force. The Old Testament did not end until Jesus burst forth out of the tomb. That's when the Old Testament ended. That's when the New Testament came into power. So a lot of stuff that he's saying to the Pharisees, a lot of instruction like we just read. Wait a second. The Bible said, Jesus said, don't go to the Gentiles with the gospel? How is that possible? That's because it wasn't Christ conquering sin yet. He was still ministering to the children of Israel. Remember, he came into his own and his own received him not. Jesus says, listen, don't go to the Gentiles. Go to the house of Israel because those are the ones we're still talking to. And when they rejected him and didn't receive him and crucified him, Jesus did something and changed the entire scope of everything. And every time we take the Lord's Supper, we say a new covenant in in my blood Even though Jesus is drinking it and setting it, his blood wasn't shed yet. The new covenant takes place at the shedding of Jesus Christ's blood. See how important it is that we understand it? Because if you're not understanding that, then you apply all the book of Matthew to the church, and it does not work. Because there are things in the book of Matthew that does not fit the church. But the church that it wasn't written to the church. You see my point? You're dressed up on a Friday night waiting for pastor to come get you. It wasn't written to you. Now, again, probably uh, four of the most powerful books for you and I as Christ-like ones is to learn what Christ was like. Okay, I'm not saying that those books are useless. Absolutely, just the opposite. If I'm going to be someone who's like Christ, then I better read the books about Jesus. But understand, they don't come into power. That testament isn't switched until the death of the testator that's when the things come into play all right keep going the book of acts the book of acts is another one how many weird pentecostal tongues doctrines are taught from the book of acts and the book of acts is a transition from almost 100 percent jewish church to almost a 100 percent gentile church where the when you read chapter two and all those jews that were gathered at the day of pentecost listen christians didn't gather at the jew at the day of pentecost there weren't any christians yet except for that 120 that jesus had left in the upper room okay those were all jews gathered for the jewish feast of pentecost And Peter preaches this message, and thousands of people are saved. 
And God gives signs that are specific to the Jews because it was a Jewish believers. By the time you reach chapter 13 in Acts, you have now churches across Asia and the majority of them are now Gentile churches. And by the time you get to the end of the book of Acts, now you're dealing almost exclusively with Paul and Barnabas and Paul and Silas, and Paul was the missionary to the Gentiles. So to take the book of Acts and say, oh, that beginning of the book of Acts, we need to apply that to the church today. That church was almost exclusively Jews. In chapter, what, 9, it goes to the Samaritans, and in chapter 11, it goes finally to the Gentiles. It's a transitional book. There's some things you need to be aware of. And when somebody says, well, Acts chapter 2 said they had great tongues of fire come down upon them, and they all spoke, and they said, that was a Jewish sign for Jewish believers. And that's what the Old Testament taught us. Okay, by the time you reach the end of the book of Acts, nobody's speaking in tongues in churches anymore because it's a Gentile church. Okay, again, I'm hoping that this is plugging in some stuff for us because we're going to look at some things in the future that it was written in the Old Testament, it wasn't written to us directly, but we can learn from it. All right, another great transitional book. The book of Hebrews, okay, not the book of Christians, is written to the Hebrews. How many weird doctrines are pulled out of the book of Hebrews? Because God didn't write this book to Christians. Okay, now I shouldn't say that. That's, that's a little misleading. I just told you that 100% or very close to 100% of the New Testament church when at right after Christ's death was Jews. It was a Jewish church. So the author of Hebrews, many of us have a clue on who that author might be, but whomever the author of Hebrews was, decided was led by the Lord to write a book to Jewish people who just received Jesus Christ as their Savior to explain how all those Old Testament things that you did as a Hebrew are now completed in Jesus Christ. Again, the book of Hebrews is not something to tell the Gentiles what they should do. Gentiles didn't know anything about what the Hebrews is about. When it's talking about there was priests after the order of Melchizedek, and there was a tabernacle, and there was a temple, and there was an altar, and Gentiles are going, what in the world are you talking about? But early New Testament Jews, Hebrews, looked at this book and go, you mean all those sacrifices we did through the, down through the years was a picture of Christ? You mean the veil in the temple? You mean the layout of the tabernacle? You mean the bloodshed? All, all of those things that for thousands of years my people have done were just pointing me to Jesus. That's why Hebrews is written, not to tell New Testament Gentiles how they ought to think about... No, that was written specifically for Hebrews. Okay, not for Gentiles. Now, can we learn from it? Yes. It's not written to us, but it's written for us. We can learn a bunch of things. That's very important that we get this. All right, another one. And this is not a hard one to understand, but the book of Revelation. Guys, we studied this together. The first four chapters of the book of the Revelations is about church history. From the early church, when uh, the apostles were still alive, all the way to the Laodicean church, which is us now. Okay, 
That's the first section of it. The second section of the book is all about future events in the, in the tribulation. It is a transitional book. You and I are somewhere hanging out right at the end of chapter 3. Okay, We're hanging around in that Laodicean church, and you know what's amazing about the book of, of uh, what do you call it, uh, Revelation, is it's defined by the opening of two doors. In chapter 4, a door opens and something goes up, and you don't find the church anymore. And in chapter 9, the door opens and somebody comes down because there's a second coming we're waiting for. It's a transitional book to look and go, oh, these things written in Revelation chapter 11, they fit us. No, they don't. It's transitional. We're gone by then, guys. At least I hope you're gone. I'm going to be gone. Okay, to look at these books and, and compare them all the same, we're missing out. And it's very, very dangerous to try to apply things. All right, next, go. <clears throat> it is important to understand the time in which things are written so we don't wrongly apply them to other points in times. Now, this is why this is important. This is why I want to bring this to your attention. Keep going. Why is this so crucial? There are those in this world today who try to misuse the Scripture to prove their point. By misapplying God's Word, they can change, try to change the truth. There are those who nowadays will try to tell you that certain things that are written in God's Word no longer apply. Because if I say, well, I'm going to jump my notes. Go ahead, write the next part of the notes up. There are truth in God's words. Do not kill, do not steal, do not lie, do not commit adultery. There are moral truths in God's word that have not changed and will not change. Okay? They were written to the Jews in the law, but they are continued throughout God's whole word, whether it's New Testament, Old Testament, no matter what the book is, you don't steal, you don't kill, you don't commit adultery. But if you misapply the word of God, keep going, the ceremonial law, Jews need to separate themselves at that time period. Do not eat shellfish, wear mixed fabric, eat bacon. Okay, there are people today in this world that will say, well, you know, the Bible said back in the Old Testament not to commit adultery, so, but it also said don't eat bacon. So if you can eat bacon now, then I can commit adultery now. Now, that might sound silly, but that's exactly what is happening. You want to know how it's happening even more? Well, the Bible tells you you couldn't eat lobsters or, or, or scallops. You can't make, wear this mixed fabric. You know what? That, the Old Testament said that, and you're doing it now. So even though the Old Testament said homosexuality is a sin, that was Old Testament. Now homosexuality is okay, just like eating bacon is okay. That is exactly what is happening in this world today. There are people, and that is the defense, that they will stand up and say, these behaviors are okay, because if you can violate the Levitical law written to the Jews back those days, if you as a Christian don't have to obey that, then why do you have to obey any of those laws? You with me so far? Please understand that having a good grip on where these books were written, who they were written to, and when they were written is crucial to our stand in the Lord. Because if so, somebody says, if you can eat bacon now, how come I can't have sex with a, another person that I'm not supposed to have sex with? 
because they'll try to wish-wash and take the truth right out of the Scripture because they don't understand who it's written to. Please understand, that's before we went any further in Malachi, because Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament. We're starting to get into the stuff that's written 400 years later. There's a transition, and some of the stuff we're going to talk about, you go, wait a minute, that was written to me? No, that was written to the Jews. But there are things we can learn, and we need to be aware of that. Okay, keep going. Not everything is written to me, but it is all certainly written for me. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. God didn't make a mistake. The mistake we make is applying it the wrong way. God doesn't make mistakes. It's us who screw up all the time. Okay? We do not need to sacrifice the lamb. Hallelujah. You know how bloody this church would be if we had to have a sacrifice every time we got together? Okay? Jesus Christ is the lamb's sacrifice for our sin. Yes, the Old Testament had lots of ceremonial laws for them that God was trying to use to separate them, but God fulfilled that, and we no longer have to do that anymore. But does that mean all of the other laws in the Old Testament are canceled out? No, because there are moral laws that stand forever. We can't eat bacon! Hallelujah. Because Christians don't have to keep the ceremonial law of the Jews. But there are moral things that you and I cannot avoid in the Scripture. So it's very important that you and I, as we're students of the Word of God, as Dan's encouraged you to going home in the afternoon and read a passage of Scripture, okay, if you come to a verse and go, wow, what is it? Am I supposed to remember who it's written to? Remember when it's written. Because not everything is to us. Okay? We need to be very well aware of the context. So next week when we get together, I'm going to, all right, I'm going to take attendance. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, 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 seven. All right, because I'm going to mention a word here, and I'm going to double check where you're here next week. The word for the next verse in Malachi that we're studying is tithing. Tithing. Okay, now keep track. Because I'll tell you what, you had introduced the idea that we're going to talk about tithing next week. Everybody goes, <laughs> I don't want to be there next week. But please understand something. You, you need to have a grip on Old Testament teaching and New Testament teaching to understand this concept of tithing. Because there are some nuances that it was written to the Jews for a purpose, but what is the purpose that continues on to the church? All right? And if we don't understand that there's a difference, you might go, oh, my word, he's going to take 10% of my... Easy. Easy. Well, I think it was important that we go ahead and remember and remind ourselves that God's word can be divided correctly and it can be divided incorrectly. Remember the Bible in that verse says that you need to rightly divide the word of truth? Well, if you can rightly divide it, that means you can probably wrongly divide it Okay, so we just need to be careful. So thank you for bearing with me in this more of a teaching kind of Sunday morning. We didn't uh, hit any really heavy verses, but understand something. God knows what he's doing. And uh, consider it a privilege that uh, I may be a Gentile, but I'm something brand new, and that's called a Christian. Amen? And there are